Marcus Marcus controls the power and wealth of a vast military and religious empire. Yet one horrific crime threatens to destroy everything in his world. Addled by drugs and grief, Marcus Marcus begins a trans-dimensional journey that will ultimately force him to confront a dark and devastating truth. Chapter 49 Attacked by an Evil Fuck The demon turned its back to me and began walking up the slope towards the plateau. I stood paralysed by the shock of her casually imparted revelation. I needed to follow her, to cry out to her, yet I could not move a muscle. My heart and lungs were immobilised, unable to pump air and blood. The demon had seen Numa. The creature carried on walking, treading hoof prints into the ground. The three heavy hessian bags balanced across its shoulders. It stopped for a moment, but did not look round, simply raised a hand, gestured for me to follow her, then began walking again. My limbs shook. My mouth was sticky with an awful thirst. Nausea sat solid in my throat as my stomach lurched. I was perilously close to the termination of my physical and mental strength, aware that to follow the demon was a desperate, a pathetic last gamble that could easily lead to devastation. Numa, I gasped. The decision was made. I gulped down air, put one foot in front of the other, and moved forward. The creature waited for me at the edge of the clearing, where the appalling feast had taken place. Apart from the three bags lying on the ground beside her, there was no evidence of the previous night's savagery. Not a shard of bone lay on the ground, not a smudge of blood stained the grass. The demon turned to me, and her eyes were the colour of dawn over a seashore. One of my jobs, she said, nodding towards the clearing, keeping the place clean, unspoiled, inviolate. I looked down at the three bags and the long, sharp, protruding bone. I looked up again at the scenery before me. On the other side of the clearing was a thick press of trees. Studying the blackness and the gloom beyond them, I suddenly felt light-headed. A strange, detached clarity filled my thoughts, like the floating, delusional vividness of a fever dream. I knew I was in a sick and a foul place, and I knew that just for a moment, a shadow had moved in the forest. But in my illness, I was absolutely certain that nothing could touch or harm me. My other job is keeping Captain Errol informed of any unusual events. The demon clawed itself. A soft pink glow filled her eyes. 
There are a number of paths through the forest. Some lead towards a harrowing hedge. Those I avoid. The one I will be taking leads to the deposit point where I will leave these bags. I should also leave a message for the captain, telling him of your appearance. He will find out eventually anyway, so it would be pointless not informing him. But the question I ask myself is this. Do I need to tell him straight away or should I delay the news a little? What think you, husband of Numa? I was beyond thinking. I merely existed without tether or thought, detached from pain and nausea and from any sense of self-preservation. Only the words of the demon had any clarity, ringing clear and precise in the hollow bell of my skull. I think I will let you accompany me to the deposit point, the demon added. There is a path that goes on from there for about half a mile. It leads to the thorny border. You'll have to travel that path alone, but it'll be easy enough for me to climb a tree and see what befalls you. It would be a welcome distraction. Will you fall spitting and screaming to the ground? Will you make a run for the shrubbery only to be impaled on its spikes? If so, what credit would I win from Captain Errol for being responsible for routing such an intruder? But perhaps you will finally meet your lady love. And if you do, what then? What if you somehow, against all the odds, make it through the harrowing hedge and escape to paradise? What benefit would I gain? The demon's eyes darkened. Your failure would bring its own rewards. But what if you succeed, husband of Numa? How would such a thing benefit me? I struggled to focus my thoughts, to engage the muscles of my mouth. The demon stood looking at me, its eyes changing from black to icy white and back to black again. If I went through, I said, to paradise or back to my own world, I promise you this, that every day I will pray for your soul. Instantly, the last word was uttered. The demon's expression changed into something alien and terrifying. The eyes became suddenly translucent, revealing thin nerve endings twisting in naked sockets. The side of the creature's mouth twitched open, revealing a long, crooked incisor. But most horrific of all was the manner in which its facial muscles warped and writhed, like the thin, greasy cords of a hangman's rope twisted by a storm. Yet whilst the demon's expressions were as vivid as they were loathsome, I could not tell whether the creature had been overcome by rage, hatred, fear, or simply a savage burst of sick humour. Before I could decide which, the demon's face returned to a more cynical and thoughtful appearance that carried no trace of the convulsions of a second ago. An interesting proposition, 
said the demon. I'll consider it as we make our way. Quick, follow me before we are seen. But it was too late. As the demon turned towards the trees, I looked up and saw deep within the wood a blear of blackness rushing towards us. In an explosion of leaves and branches, the monstrosity burst out of the trees. It moved so fast that I could not comprehend what its true form was. But I knew from the way it slipped and hopped to a stop in the clearing that it was one of the foul amphibian atrocities that I had encountered before. I blinked, and the creature was no longer before me. It had fallen with a high-pitched screech on top of the demon. I saw the demon's hand still clutching onto its bag of bones, pathetically beating against the vast, foul, greeny-black shape. It would be flattering to say that even though I was confronted by such horror, I was still capable of weighing up and considering various options as to how I should respond. But why lie now? What really happened was that while I had finally broken free of the listlessness, I was still bound to the delusion of my own indestructibility. So, idiot that I am, I ran towards the monster and leapt up onto its vast slippery back. It may have been shock or adrenaline, but I swear that as I tried to grip onto that slimy reeking flesh, I suddenly burst out laughing, climbing up that mountain of slick and rancid skin. I called out, Now I have you, you evil fuckwit! Thanks for listening to the latest chapter of Marcus Marcus and Hurting Heart. If you enjoyed the story, well, tell your friends, your family and your ancient enemies. You can support the show by donating the price of a cup of coffee. The details are in the page notes. Um, stay tuned for more episodes and mind look after yourselves and look after those around you. Wash your hands thoroughly. Keep your distance and wear your masks.